Shalom, this is Abigail Rock. Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. Today we are going to be doing the last story in the lifetime of Yaakov. We're going to be studying the brachot Yaakov gives to his sons before his death. As we read through the brachot, we will notice that some of them do not sound at all like brachot. Maybe we shouldn't understand them as the classic understanding of bracha as a blessing, but it is more his final words of advice, final words of guidance. Some of them are indeed brachot before his death to each and every one of them. Towards the end of the unit, we will try to suggest another answer based on Ibn Ezra, who tries to resolve the problem between the word bracha and the fact that the content of this unit is very far from bringing a bracha. The brachot of Yaakov are long. It goes, it goes through 28 verses. We will be splitting this unit of the brachot of Yaakov into two classes. And let's begin chapter 49, verse 1. Yaakov summons his sons and he said, Gather and I shall tell you that which will happen to you in, the, in later days, in days to come, in the future. Gather yourselves and listen, the sons of Yaakov, and pay attention to your father Yisrael. Yaakov summons the family, he gathers the family to come and to give, to deliver his final words, his will, his blessing, and his rebuke. And of course, they are also words of nevuah, of prophecy. This prophecy. These words of prophecy are indicated by the word. I, by the words of Yaakov, I will tell you that which will happen to you at, Now this phrase, acharit hayamim, has been interpreted by some commentators as the end of days, which would be the days of Mashiach, perhaps. But acharit hayamim can also mean later days. Yamim acherim or yamim me'ucharim, days to come. And when we read through mo many of the brachot, it seems more befitting to the time period when Am Yisrael enter the land and they divide and conquer the land, as opposed to describing events that are related to the times of Mashiach, something that we will, an issue that we will discuss at length when we get to the bracha of Yehuda. Yaakov's brachot are all written in form of poetry. This is a very difficult poem. The words are difficult. The Hebrew is difficult. The context is difficult. There are a few words that are hepax legomna that appear only in, in the brachot of Yaakov, which makes the entire understanding of, the, of this unit extremely complicated. And in addition to its complication, when translating this into English, we lose the beauty of the biblical poetry. So what I've decided to do in this unit is I will use the translation of Robert Alter. Robert Alter is a master when it comes to translating biblical poetry. He has an excellent translation to Tehillim, and his translation to the Brachot of Yaakov succeeds to retain the poetic tone of the Brachot. So we, in general, we'll be using his translation when I translate the Psukim. However, I will point out when I dis when, when we want to offer a different understanding to, tra to the translations of certain words. So let's begin with the Bracha of Reuven, chapter 49, verse 3. Reuven b'chori ata, kochi v'rishit oni, yeter se'et v'yeter oz, pachaz kamayim, al totar, ki alita mishkvei avicha, az chilalta yetsui ala. Reuven, my firstborn are you, my strength and first yield of my manhood, prevailing in rank and prevailing in might. 
unsteady as water, you'll no more prevail. For you ha you mounted the place where your father lay, you profaned my couch, you mounted. Yaakov first addresses his firstborn, Reuven, Reuven, Bechori Ata, you are my firstborn. Kochi Vereshit Oni. And Yaakov continues to tell him that you as a Bechor should have received Yeter Se'et, you should have received a higher status, and you should have received the Yeter Oz, which is a leadership role. V'iten Oz Lemalko, it's used in context of kingship. However, since Reuven was unsteady as water, Pachaz Kamaim, who behaves in a rash way by sleeping with Bilha, and this event was described in Parashat Ve'ishlach, chapter 35, verse 22, Bilha Pilegesh Aviv, Reuven went and slept with Bilha. The reason Reuven sleeps with Bilha was to establish his own status as the inheritor of the household, of the Bechorah. It is to make clear that he is the Bechor. And Yaakov actually says that by what you did, you actually that's what caused you to lose the Bechorah. Now, in the story, when it appears, in Parashat Baishlach, we are told that Reuven slept with Bilha, Vaishma Israel and Yaakov heard. Yaakov does not respond there. Yaakov is silent there. However, here on his deathbed, that's when he responds and rebukes Reuven for his behavior. For several decades, Yaakov holds it all in and he does not mention a thing about this to Reuven. And the reason Yaakov does not rebuke Reuven after the action, perhaps Yaakov does not think Reuven will be open to hear the rebuke. However, when Yaakov is on his deathbed, that's when he feels his words can penetrate Reuven's heart. So Yaakov started out with Reuven, who could have been the Bechor, but as a result of his behavior, he lost the Bechorah, and he moves from Reuven to the next in line, which are Shimon and Levi. Shimon and Levi are mentioned by Yaakov in the same bracha. Shimon and Levi achim klei chamas mecherotehem besodam al tavonafshi bikhalam Shimon and Levi, the brothers, weapons of outrage their trade. In their council, let me never set foot. Their assembly, my, my presence shun. For in their fury they slaughtered men. At their pleasure they tore down ramparts. Cursed be their fury so fierce, and their wrath so remorseless. I will divide them in Yaakov, disperse them in Israel. So Shimon and Levi, like Reuven too, are also going to be rejected here from leadership of the family. Reuven for his action with Bilhah. Shimon and Levi for the story of Shechem. Here too, Yaakov did not rebuke them during the story of Shechem. All Yaakov mentioned after the story of Shechem is... You made me look bad in the eyes of the locals, and now I might be attacked. But he does not rebuke him for the actual fact that they, what, that what they have done was wrong, and that they had, unjustifiably so, had killed a city. Now on his deathbed, he rebukes them for that. Says Shimon and Levi are brothers. Shimon and Levi are brothers in crime, are brothers in the immorality that they have done towards the people of Shechem. Klei Hamas mecherotehem. Their trade is weapons of outrage. Hamas sometimes in Tanakh means to steal, but Hamas means anger. When Sarah turns to Avraham and she was angry regarding the behavior of Hagar, she says, Hamasi Alecha, I am outraged. 
The word mecherotehem stems from the word their trade, limko, their trade. So their their trade is weapons of outrage. Now, uh, throughout uh, the past few several classes, we've been uh, toying with the question whether or not Yaakov is aware of what the brothers have done to Yosef. Whether or not Yaakov is aware that the brothers are the ones that had sold him, to what degree is does he aware? One thing that seems certain, and that is Yosef does not reveal to Yaakov what the brothers had done to him, but it does seem that Yaakov is aware to some degree that the brothers were involved in getting rid of Yosef. We saw that when, when Yaakov said, Otishi Kaltem, you have caused me to be a bereaved father, and other comments that will that are yet to be made, especially in this parak, we will see that he is a, somewhat aware. To what degree, that's still a question. But if we are to say that he is aware, and if Yaakov is also familiar with Shimon and Levi, and is familiar with their temper, and is familiar with their behavior, perhaps now he is rebuking them. Perhaps there's another reason why he rebukes them now for what they have done in the city of Shechem. When they have killed out the city of Shechem, their argument to Yaakov was, are we going to allow our sister Dina to be treated in such a way? What kind of brothers would we be if we were just to allow this to happen? And Yaakov accepts that. But later on, when they sell their brother as a slave, then they can no longer argue they cannot allow to see their sibling mistreated and they have to step up. And so now, in retrospect, we rejudge their behavior in the case of Dina. And Yaakov says, you didn't do this because you cared about Dina. If you would have done this because you cared about Dina, you wouldn't have sold your brother into slavery. So now, Yaakov, now, at, now in hindsight, Yaakov can rebuke them for the story of Shem. Up until the story of Yosef being sold, they had their argument. They justified themselves. But they lost the right to make that argument after what they have done to Yosef. But of course, this is all dependent on the question, how much does Yaakov indeed know about the selling of Yosef? Yaakov continues, Yaakov does not want them to have any leadership role. Yaakov does not want to be his name included in any of their advisory boards, in any of their planning. And the reason for this is, Ki hargu ish ikushor. In their wrath, they had killed man, and with their desire, or perhaps in order to fulfill their desire, they were me'aker shor. Shor is explained by many of the Pashtanim as the wall of the city. So they had brought down, they had destroyed the walls of the city in order to conquer the city. Yaakov concludes not by cursing them, but by cursing their anger. Aru apam ki az ve'veratam ki kashata. He curses their anger. Which can mean that Yaakov plans on dividing them up from each other so that they should not be near each other because great harm comes when the two of them are together. So he'll make sure that the tribes are separate from each other or that, that within Am Yisrael, each of those tribes will be dispersed. Levi, we know, does not get his own Nachala. He's dispersed all around Am Yisrael. And Shimon's Nachala is, under the, is within the Nachala of Yehuda, they do not have their own separate Nachala, rather they are a part of Yehuda, so almost to say as if Yehuda is making sure to control Shimon's anger. Now we've gone through Reuven, Shimon, Levi, the first three sons of Leah, and each one of them is rejected 
from being the leader of the family. Each one is rejected from the leadership position. And let's begin now with that. We now we move on to the fourth son, Yehuda. Yehuda, Ata Yoducha Hecha, Yadcha Beof, Ivecha Ishtahavulacha Bne Avicha, Gurarie Yehuda Miterev Bni Alita, Kara Ravat Kareo Chelavi, Mie Kimeno, Loyasu Shevet Miuda Mehokekmi Ben Raglav, Adkiavo Shilo, Veloik At Amim, Oseri La Gefen Iro, Vela Soreka, Beni Atono, Kibes Bayain Levusho, Uvedam Anavim Suto, Chachlili Naim Yain, Ulven Shinaim Mechalav. Yehuda, you. Shall your brothers acclaim, your hand on your enemy's nape, your father's son shall bow to you. A lion's whelp is Yehuda, from the prey, O my son, you mount. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, like the king of beasts, and who dare arouse him? The scepter shall not pass from Yehuda, nor the mace from between his legs, that tribute to him may come, and to him the submission of people. He binds to the vine his donkey, to the grape bow his donkey's foal. He washes in wine his garment, in the blood of the grape his cloak. O eyes that are darker than wine, and teeth that are whiter than milk. Unlike Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, who that actually does receive a bracha, and quite a long and beautiful bracha. Verse 8, Yehuda ata The bracha begins with Yehuda ata, you Yehuda. R- Rashi points out, what is this you Yehuda? Would have been enough to say Yehuda, yoducha achecha. Why you Yehuda? And I'd like to read out Rashi. Lefi shehokhiach et harishonim bikinturim, hitchil Yehuda nasog leachorav, shelo yechichenu al maaseh tamar. Yehuda is standing, all the brothers are standing around. Yehuda hears Reuven's rebuke. He hears Shimon and Levi's rebuke. And he, st- he starts getting nervous. Maybe I'm next in line to be rebuked. Maybe I'll be rebuked for what happened with Tamar. So he begins, to, he begins to back away. And his father calls him and says, with words of encouragement, Yehuda, no, you are not like them. You, Yehuda, I have something else in mind for you. Yehuda, ata, something else. Yoducha, achecha. The word ata should almost be read as opposed to them. Ata, for you, I have something else in mind. And what do I have in mind for you? Yoducha, achecha. And there's a nice play of words. Yehuda and yodu. And the word yodu does not mean to thank here. It means your brothers will acknowledge you. Your brothers will... Ex- he's, Yehuda is about to receive the position of leadership. To be a successful leader, you need the acceptance and the acknowledgement of the people. To which Yaakov says, your brothers will accept you. Your brothers acknowledge you. Your brothers will acknowledge your royal status. Yehuda ata yoducha achecha. Yadcha be'oref oivecha. Your hands will reach the neck of your enemies, which means when you will chase after them and you will and you'll reach up to them. Your father's sons will bow down, as opposed to your mother's sons, because if mother's sons that would only be five brothers that are that are bowing down. But if it says your father's sons will bow down, the entire family is acknowledging, accepting Yehuda as the leader. Bni Alita, Yehuda is a lion cub, who and a lion who attacks its prey, and after you attack your prey, you will ascend. Yehuda is granted the leadership position in the family by Yaakov, with the word Alita, Miteref, Bni Alita, my son, you will ascend, as opposed to Reuven, who had lost the leadership position in the family, because he was Ole, because he had ascended the bed of Bilha, ki alita 
Mishkevei Avicha. So Yaakov uses the exact same word with Reuven and Yehuda, ties the two together, because one was Ole, one ascended the bed, therefore he had lost the leadership position, and the and Yehuda will be Ole, to leadership, will ascend to leadership. Yehuda, the lion cub, which is clearly talking about Malchut Yehuda, will attack its enemies, and once it returns from attacking its enemies, and protecting the borders of Am Yisrael. His throne, his kingship will be strong. He lay down like a lion, who, and who dare arouse him? The next verse is a very complicated verse. Shadal Shmuel David Luzzato, 19th century Italian Pashan, collected 15 different perushim for this pasuk. This verse caused Am Yisrael a great deal of aggravation. This verse was a key verse in public disputations between the Jews and Christians. Ramban devotes a, a very long commentary on this verse. Several of the Ramban's comments on this verse appeared in the Ramban's arguments in the disputation of Barcelona of 1263. The scepter shall not be removed from Yehuda nor the mace between his legs, Ad Kiavoshilo, which can mean Shiloh can be a name of a person. Shiloh can also be a place. So it can mean Ad Kiavoshilo until that the scepter will not be removed from Yehuda until he arrives at Shiloh. Or Shiloh can mean his son, Mishehu Shelo. So the scepter will not be removed from Yehuda until his son arrives, and according to Rashbam, this son is Rechavam, that throughout Machut David and Machut Shlomo, it was in the hands of Yehuda, but when his son, the son Rechavam, arrived, that's when it was split. And the Targum Unkulus explains, Ad Kiavoshilo, Ad Yete Meshicha, Dedilehi Malchuta, until the Mashiach comes, whom to him belongs the Malchut which it might be a very nice perush, but it is exactly this perush that caused Am Yisrael the great aggravation because Christianity argued from this pasuk that Mashiach had come already, had come already and that this Mashiach is Jesus. And, and therefore, according to the Christian interpretation, based on Jewish sources, the Mashiach had already come since the Pasuk says they, the Malchut of Yehuda will continue until Mashiach arrives. We no longer have Malchut Yehuda, which means Mashiach must arrive. And according to their interpretation, this Mashiach is Jesus. That, and this is exactly what Ramban argues with. And Ramban says what it means, the Malchut shall not be removed, doesn't mean that they will always be Malchai David until the time of Mashiach. But rather, as long as they are kings, they will always be kings from the Davidic dynasty. Not to say that they are always going to be kings, but if they will be kings, they will be kings from the Davidic dynasty. After granting Yehuda the leadership position in the family, he continu Yaakov continues to describe the blessing of Yehuda in verse 11. Osri it describes the wealth of his land. The imagery that's used here to describe the wealth of Yehuda's land is that one ties his donkey to the vine. Now, usually, a, a great deal of effort goes into producing grapes. This Yeshayahu describes 
the entire process of producing grapes from a vine, and that's the famous Mashal HaKerem of Yeshayahu, is very, very difficult. It requires a great deal of care. It requires protection. Here, there's going to be so much, so many grapes, and so many, they're going to hear the, the reality that's being described here by Yaakov is there are going to be so many vines and they're going to be so fruitful that one will not hesitate to tie his donkey to the vine, even though he knows that the donkey is going to trample the grapes and going to eat the grapes. But there's going to be so many that it's not even really concerned. Osri is to bind. He binds to the geffen the ayir. An ayir is a young donkey. The sorika, sorika is also a vine. He binds to the to the Soreka Bni Atona, the son of the Aton, the son of a female donkey. Kibes Bayain the Busho, Vidamanavim Suto. He can do his he washes all his clothes in wine. There's so much wine that he can wash his wash his clothes in wine. There's a discussion amongst the commentators. What color is Chachlili? Is it blue? Is it red? Uh, we'll, we'll suffice with dark. His eyes are dark from drinking wine. They, that's what they drink. There's such an abundance of it. And his teeth are white from drinking milk. So um, the bracha of Yehuda is that his land is, in addition to the bracha of leadership, he receives a bracha that his land should be a fertile land. And indeed, when you travel today through Gush Etzion, you see the vines. They are wineries in Gush Etzion. This is another fulfillment of the brachot of Yaakov. Following Yehuda, we have a short bracha to Zvulun. Zevulun lechof yamim yishkon, vehu lechof oniyot, v'yarecheto al tzidon. Zevulun near the shore of the sea shall dwell, and he by the haven of ships, his flank upon Sidon. The bracha of Zevulun describes the Nachala, the portion of Zevulun in Eretz Yisrael, it's not clear if this description that is described here by Yaakov is identical to the to the Nachala that he actually received in Eretz Yisrael. Zevulun lechof yamin yishkon, his share will be nearby coast of the seas, chof yamin. The city Chaifa, which is near this territory of Zevulun, is called Chaifa because of this bracha. The bracha that refers to the territory of Zvulun, the Chof Yamin, and therefore the city was called the city of the Chof, Haifa, the city of the coast. The bracha of Zvulun continues, He will be dwelling by the port, which will be a great source of income, and his northern border will reach all the way up to Tzidon. And from Zvulun we move on to Yisachar, Yisachar chamor garem rovetz ben hamishpatayim vayar menucha kito v'et ha'aretz ki na'ema v'yet shichmo lisbol v'yihi lemas oved. Yisachar is a big bone donkey, crouched, the sheep folds. He saw that the homestead was goodly, that the land was delightful, and he put his shoulder to the load, became a toiling surf. Yisachar is a strong donkey, and the several of the commentators suggest that the it is the shape of a donkey that resembles the topography of the area of Yisachar, an area which is primarily valley, the valley of Israel, bordering mountainous area, which is the shape of a donkey's back. And this donkey is Rovetz ben Hamishpetaim. One of the interpretations of the word Mishpetaim is the sheep fences. He lives by the sheep fences. The eastern border of Yisachar 
is the western border of Reuven, and we know that Reuven had the flocks, and this uh, this word Mishpatayim also appears in the Shira of Devarah, when Devarah criticizes Reuven for not coming to join, staying with his sheep. In the last verse of Yisachar's bracha, menucha kina ema. Yisachar saw that his land was good, and the land of Israel is a very good, fertile land. And he was willing to suffer a long time until he had conquered that land. And we know it took the Amakim, it took a very long time to conquer the Amakim, the valleys of in the area of Israel. But he was willing to wait for that to be conquered. This can be understood in one of two ways. Either he paid in taxes because Yisachar had such an abundance of produce, therefore he did not feel necessary to go fight. He would just pay off from the various oppressors, kingdoms of the time, with taxes of produce. We've completed now the six brachot of the sons of Leah, and now Yaakov moves on to the brachot of the sons of the maidservants, beginning with the bachor of Bilha, the firstborn of the maidservants of Rachel, Dan. Dan yadin amo ke'achad shivtei Yisrael. Yehi dan nachash alei derech shvifon alei orach hanoshech ikvei sus vayipol rochvo achor. Dan, his folk, will judge as one of Israel's tribes. Let Dan be a snake on the road, an asp on the path that bites the horse's heels and its rider's topples backwards. There's a nice alliteration here. Dan Yadin. Yadin means to judge. Dan, the judge, will judge. He will judge as Ke'achad Shivte Israel, as one of the Israel tribes. Now, Dat Mikra explains that Dan, even though he's the son of one of the maidservants, he will be considered as one of Shivte Israel. It's a difficult period since all of the tribes are considered the sons of Yaakov, and we don't need to be told that a specific son of the sons of the maidservants will be considered as the sons of Yaakov, as one of the tribes. The word Shevet here should be used as Shevet of leadership, the staff of leadership, which we saw also in the Bracha of Yehuda, Lo Yasur Shevet Mi Yehuda that the staff, the scepter, will not be removed from Yehuda. So here we're also told that there's certain, a, a leadership position promised to the Bechor of Bilha. This is also alluded to in the Brachot that Moshe Rabbeinu gives in Parashat Vizot HaBracha, Uledan Amar Gur Aryeh Yezanek Min HaBashan. Dan's Bracha is that he is like a lion who pounces from the Bashan north of Israel. So this Gur Aryeh, we're also familiar with from the Bracha of Yehuda. So in essence, Dan has a parallel role to that of Yehuda as far as leadership. The scepter is mentioned here, leadership and the lion. However, in reality, this is a Bracha that was never fulfilled. The only leadership position that we saw in Shevet Dan was Shimshon, and many of the Mefarshim say that this Bracha is referring to Shimshon, but as a leadership position throughout generations, we did not find this bracha being fulfilled with the tribe of Dan. Yaakov continues, saying Dan is going to be like a snake who silently creeps and attacks the heel of its prey. The imagery that is described here is a small snake, shfifon is the name of the snake in Hebrew. In Hebrew words, generally the, the suffix on is something small, shfifon. So perhaps what Yaakov is saying, Dan, though small, though maybe weak, can yet be lethal and destroy its enemies. The
by biting the horse's heel. And many of the Parshanim explain this bracha also as talking about Shimshon, who though is one person within a tribe, manages to cause great chaos and destruction among the Plishtim. It's interesting to note here the Rashbam's perush to the bracha of Dan, and he argues with Rashi in a very harsh way, though not mentioning Rashi by name, and he says this perush is not talking about Shimshon, because yeah, the brachot of Yaakov are not referring to individuals, they are referring to a tribe as a whole. And this is what he writes in the interest perush of the bracha of Shevetan. Anybody who thinks that this is talking about Shimshon has no understanding of the methodology of Pshat. And he gives his reasons that it wouldn't make sense that Yaakov here would be talking about the destiny of one person here. Following the bracha of Dan, we have a very short three-word pasuk, verse 18. Your deliverance I await, Hashem. What is this? Uh, three, these three words that Yaakov is saying here in the middle of the brachot, Rashi and Ramban both suggest that this prayer, cry out of Yaakov, that I await your redemption, is a result of what Yaakov had seen in the prophecy and the downfall of Shimshon. Ramban also ties us into Shimshon, that Shimshon is the last of the Shoftim, and there are no more judges to save Am Yisrael. And therefore Yaakov, seeing that the judge's period is over, he says, God, deliver us. And, that's what, and after following Shimshon, we'll have the time period of deliverance, which is the time period of Melucha, of the kingship. Shadal brings a very fascinating perush, but in order to understand Shadal's perush, we have to read the brachat of the next tribe. God gedud yegudeno, vehu yegud akiv. God shall be goaded by raiders, yet he shall goad their heels. God, G-A-D, of course. Throughout the brachot, we notice several alliterations. For example, Yehuda ata yoducha. Yehuda, your brothers will acknowledge. Dan yadin. The tribe Dan will be a judge. The judge will judge. Here too, God gedud yegudeno. Now, the English translation can't always preserve the alliteration, but Robert Alter's translation succeeded in a very elegant way to preserve the alliteration. God shall be goaded by raiders, and yet he shall go their heel. So God, when he is attacked, he will, God, when God will be attacked, when God will be enticed, he will manage to attack his attackers. And the word gdud, which in modern Hebrew means a battalion, is taken from the bracha of God. Now back to that short verse, verse 18, the Yeshuatcha kiviti Hashem, your deliverance I await Hashem. The, most of the parshanim follow the Misorah, which connects these three words, the Yeshuatcha kiviti Hashem, to the bracha of Dan. According to Shadal, this is actually connected to the bracha of God. Shadal does not hold that we have to accept the division of, of Baalei Hamsarah, that the division into units of Baalei Hamsarah is commentary, which we sometimes accept, and we don't, but it's not given in Sinai this way. And what Shadal says, we see Yaakov uses these alliterations. This is poetry, and Yaakov uses several alliterations. And the most natural litter, alliteration with the name God is... Mazal, luck. The word God, according to several commentators, means mazal. And when Le'an names the son of Zilpah, 
God, by God, I have had luck. So the most natural alliteration for Yaakov to make when he gives the brachat to God is some, something to indicate the mazal. But he holds himself back because the success of God is not dependent on mazal. It is rather given by God. Capital G-O-D. And therefore he says, Yeshua kiviti Hashem. Not the mazal. It is your Yeshua that I look out for. So we've completed today the brachot of eight of the Shvatim. We still have four Shvatim left, Asher, Naftali, Yosef, and Binyamin, and we will complete them in Mirza Hashem tomorrow. Shalom.